New England is in a bit of a pickle right now. J.C. Jackson is an unrestricted free agent this offseason, which leads to the Patriots having to make a big decision on his future. Now, this topic has been debated multiple times by many different people, and the general consensus is that New England should keep J.C. Jackson. But with New England attempting to avoid the franchise tag, that leads to two options. Either New England signs J.C. Jackson to a long-term deal, or they simply let him walk and sign with another team. There is also the possibility of a tagging trade, though this is unlikely to happen. But what if New England doesn't choose to sign Jackson? What are the implications of this, and will New England suffer greatly from his absence? What's going on guys? Welcome back to another podcast, and today we are going to be talking about a heater. We are going to be talking about whether or not the Patriots should sign J.C. Jackson. I mean, that's technically what I want to talk about. Really, the title is a little bit more clickbait, but you get my point. Really, I just want to wrap up the discussion about whether or not New England should sign J.C. Jackson. And, you know, quick disclaimer, this episode is not going to be like most other episodes where, you know, most people talk about whether or not, you know, how his season went statistically. I mean, he had eight picks this year. He was absolutely outstanding. But what I want to do in this episode is take really this whole situation from a more philosophical approach. Not really a lot less analytical, though there will be some analytics in this episode. But either way, really, I just want to talk about, you know, previous examples of the Patriots' cornerback situation, you know, how they've dealt with it, and really how they could possibly end up dealing with J.C. Jackson going forward. Now, obviously, I want the Patriots to keep J.C. Jackson. I mean, he is arguably one of the best players on the Patriots' defense, if not the best player on the team. I mean, I probably would have given that award to Matthew Judon, but with his late-season slump, a slump that he would not recover from heading into the playoffs, instead, you know, for arguably the second year in a row, J.C. Jackson has basically carried the defense in terms of playing lockdown coverage and having insane ball skills. He's had a whopping 17 interceptions in two years, and like I said, he's been locked down too. He's not like Trayvon Diggs, who's giving out a thousand yards in passing this season. I mean, this guy has been truly electrifying. So yeah, I want J.C. Jackson on the team, and obviously his value is worth the asking price of a likely $20 million a year. It is definitely a lot of money, and with the Patriots, you know, cap situation, uh, shifts will have to be made. But Jackson is the reason why New England's pass defense last year was half decent on at least one side of the field. And so yeah, I mean, overall, J.C. Jackson is very valuable, and I want him on the team. But now, let's just take a trip back to 2014, when the Patriots were coming off a loss to Denver in the AFC Championship game, and they were heading into the offseason. Now, if you guys don't want to hear me talk about really the past nine years and what the Patriots have done throughout those nine years in terms of the cornerback position, uh, you can skip to 8 minutes and 10 seconds, because a lot of what I'm talking about right now is going to lean heavily on really the history of what the Patriots have done previously. And so if you are new and you do want to learn about really the history that New England has had over the past couple of years with their cornerback position, then you can just go ahead and listen. Otherwise, just skip to the time mentioned. Now, let's just get back to the story. So, again, let's take a trip back to 2014. Again, New England just lost in the AFC Championship game to Denver. And now let's talk about Aqib Tlaib. He was coming off a Pro Bowl year, only making $5 million that season. And so, obviously, he was hungry for a contract. And Bill Belichick wasted no time... In dismissing him. I mean, Aqib Tlaib was asking for a very sizable contract, and 
if you know anything about Bill Belichick, he is not a fan of signing long-term deals, especially large long-term deals. And so, yeah, I mean, New England just dismissed a keep to lead, let him walk in free agency. He ended up signing with the Broncos, but they ended up getting a much better option a couple days later in Darrell Revis, who signed for two years, $32 million. Now, it's important to note that this contract was really a one-year deal that saw Revis having a $20 million option in the next year. Now, Revis would end up having an exceptional year, gaining both Pro Bowl and All-Pro honors, and he would be a key piece in the Patriots Super Bowl championship run. But in the end, in the offseason, Revis ultimately chose to decline the $20 million option and instead went back to the Jets, the team that drafted him in 2007. Now, it is beyond me why he would go back to a poverty franchise like the Jets, though they did go oddly 10-6 and that year, barely missing the playoffs. But this time, it wasn't really a matter of Belichick. It was just a matter of Revis choosing to decline the option and leave. And he would later come out and speak negatively about his time with the Patriots and how it was ultimately unpleasant. But Belichick still had a backup plan. Along with Darrell Revis went Brandon Browner, a very underrated cornerback, and Kyle Arrington. Replacing them was Malcolm Butler, a cornerback that was very interesting at the time. See, Butler, before his heroic Super Bowl winning play, was just another guy on the depth chart. I mean, there are many other players ahead of him. And, you know, if you want, you know, a comparison to right now, I mean, you take a look at someone like Juwan James or even Sean Wade. Just imagine if those guys just became the starting cornerback after supposedly making the game-saving play in the Super Bowl. I mean, you know, just imagine if really going to week one, we saw Juwan James being the starting cornerback. I mean, imagine how scary that would be for all Patriots fans, knowing that Juwan James is the starting cornerback. If you know, you know. But yeah, clearly Belichick saw something great in Malcolm Butler, and he would surely not disappoint. He dominated the position for two years, earning Pro Bowl honors in 2015 and second-team All-Pro in 2016. He was everything New England could have asked for from a fourth-string corner just two years prior. But then New England made the choice of signing Stephon Gilmore to a five-year $65 million deal in 2017. Now, at the time, it might have seemed like a very baffling decision, especially considering how good Malcolm Butler had been playing up till that point. But if you remember... The Patriots' secondary as a whole wasn't very good, and they certainly needed support, so they went and got Stephon Gilmore. And just, I mean, you know, we all thought that going into 2017, we thought that Gilmore was going to be the number two and Butler was going to be number one, but instead they traded positions, and Stephon Gilmore was the number one corner, whereas Butler was demoted to number two. I mean, both corners did have very solid seasons, though the defense as a whole was just god-awful that year, but... After the season, New England would move on from Butler, refusing to sign a long-term deal, sticking to Gilmore. Now, New England sticking with Gilmore would be a fantastic decision. I mean, he would earn all-pro honors in two years in a row, make a game-sealing interception in the Super Bowl, and earn Defensive Player of the Year honors in 2019. But throughout 2020, there were rumors brewing of Gilmore being unhappy with his contract, asking him for more money. Now, here's where we catch up to modern times. J.C. Jackson now enters the picture, and Jackson had played for the Patriots since being drafted in 2018. He had a rough rookie year, but bounced back in 2019, nabbing five picks. And Gilmore, he looked to be the guy going forward at the beginning of 2020, but with injuries slowing him down throughout the course of the season, and Jackson ended up nabbing a whopping nine picks that year. 
This is ultimately what started the argument of whether or not New England should stick with Gilmore long-term or, you know, release Gilmore and stick with Jackson, especially because Gilmore was wanting more money. And at the beginning of the 2021 season, they chose to release Gilmore. Now, why did I just bring up all these points to you? Why did I just give you a timeline of the past, what, nine years? I mean, we already know that New England loves physical corners, and they also love to move away from them after an average of two years in their prime, refusing to pay them. Well, there are three things that New England has to consider when debating about Jackson. One, New England doesn't have a viable backup for Jackson unlike previous years. And number two, paying Jackson is going to be much more convenient for the Patriots' long-term success. And number three, the Patriots don't really have their offensive excellence to rely on anymore, leaving the defense having to be great. The last part might seem a little bit confusing, but I'll get there. Now, let's start with number one. New England doesn't have a viable backup. See, I just gave you a brief recap of eight years, depending on if you skip to this point. But if there was a commonality between the transitions between cornerback to cornerback from 2014 to 2022, it was that the Patriots always had a decent backup plan for their next guy up. From Tlaib to Revis, Revis to Butler, from Butler to Gilmore, and now Gilmore to Jackson. So who is New England going to potentially replace Jackson with? That's the question, right? And unfortunately, that question doesn't come with any promising answers. Now, Jalen Mills is probably the best in-house option for the Patriots. He's physical and is a very fairly good corner. However, he's been burned a lot in man coverage and he doesn't have the same ball skills Jackson has. Those ball skills are certainly not bad at all. Mills is a fine option, but that secondary is going to look extremely weak. Now in 2015, like I said, the Patriots were entering with a weak secondary with Butler and ended up being just fine, so you never know. Now there's also the idea of Carlton Davis from the Bucks, who could enter the Patriots picture in free agency as he excels in both man and zone coverage. The only issue is that he may stay with the Bucks, and even if he doesn't, he's going to be wanting to be paid big bucks. So right now, the Patriots don't really have any great replacements uh, per se. Again, J.C. Jackson, if he wants $20 million, and if they are able to get someone like Carlton Davis for much cheaper, then that wouldn't be a bad idea. I mean, I definitely do like Carlton Davis, but J.C. Jackson has been with the system longer, and he also is a lot more familiar really playing for the Patriots. And so, you know, keeping Jackson would certainly be really the, the better idea. And then number two, paying Jackson is going to be much more convenient for the Patriots' long-term success. As said earlier, the franchise tag option is pretty much out of the question, which leads me to believe that New England, if they sign him, will sign Jackson to a long-term deal. Now, probably a smart idea right now would be to draft a corner in the upcoming draft. Now, why do I say that? I mean, there are a bunch, first of all, of very good options to choose from, as I'll get to in another episode. But if New England signs Jackson to a hefty deal, then drafts a corner, and the corner develops into a good option, then the Patriots could simply release Jackson down the road or trade him to get rid of the cap hit. I mean, it would be kind of cruel, obviously, to Jackson, but if Jackson begins to start asking for more money, just like Stephon Gilmore did, then getting rid of him and keeping the developed corner would be a lot more convenient. This is, again, purely hypothetical, but I feel like it is also kind of realistic, and it's definitely a good idea that the Patriots will definitely benefit from. Now, number three... The Patriots also don't have their offensive excellence that they have to rely on anymore. Now, this is a point that is definitely going to be stretched out, but I do think that it's important to mention. 
See, you know, what do I mean by the Patriots don't have offensive excellence? What is all your Mac Jones hype for? I mean, is it for nothing? No. Mac Jones is still a very good quarterback, and the offense strictly has potential. But they aren't an offense like the Bills or the Chiefs or the Rams. They simply don't have the offensive firepower. And, you know, they really aren't going to be able to handle having a bad secondary. I mean, take New England's 2017 team. Tom Brady had an exceptional year winning MVP, but they also had one of the worst defenses in the league, specifically one of the worst secondaries in the league. And yet they still ended up going to the Super Bowl specifically because of Tom Brady. And, you know, the Patriots right now, they're not known for their offense. They're known for their defense. And if that goes away too, then New England will end up missing the playoffs altogether, I believe. I mean, J.C. Jackson, as said many times, is the heart of the defense. And giving him up means that New England will be losing their best player. And, you know, they have Matt Judon, who could potentially develop into a superstar. But Jackson is already a superstar, and he really makes up that entire secondary. And his lack of presence will leave a gaping hole in that area. But yeah, that's pretty much my reasoning of why New England should stick with J.C. Jackson. Again, if he walks, he walks. And there are definitely some backup options. Again, if he does choose to walk into free agency, I'll definitely be making a podcast about that. Something a little more lengthy just really to examine the options. But yeah, I definitely would love to see New England keep J.C. Jackson. And I kind of hope you guys enjoyed this episode. I mean, you know, it's kind of fun looking back at the Patriots over the past couple of years. I don't know if you guys stick, stuck for that part. But yeah, it was definitely a very fun thing to do. And yeah, I mean, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. Hopefully next week I'll be able to roll out the free agency podcast, really just a big episode talking about who New England should sign, really the guys they should end up going for, you know, assuming that they have the cap space to do so. And yeah, that episode's definitely going to be fun. And like I said, even in the last episode, really, I'm going to be trying to get to a more week-to-week basis. Again, I just simply don't have the time right now to roll out multiple episodes per week. But if these episodes are a lot more lengthy, then I think they're all, they are going to be a little bit more valuable. And so, yeah, hope you guys enjoyed this episode. And I'll catch you guys later next week. Peace out.